Welcome to Straight Talk with Wine Spectator, a podcast from the world's most widely read wine magazine. I'm your host, James Molesworth, Wine Spectator's Senior Editor and Special Projects Director, and you're listening to a special preview edition of Straight Talk Episode 6. You can hear the full, uninterrupted episode for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. Kicking the episode off with me is our podcast director, Rob Taylor. Thank you, James. Another exciting episode in the making for sure. And we've got some action brewing out there in the real world, too. Wine Spectator's Grand Tour Super Tasting is back, featuring more than 200 wines from around the world, all rated 90 points or higher by our editors. It kicks off in Hollywood, Florida, April 15th, then it's on to Chicago, April 22nd, before the final stop in Las Vegas, April 29th. Tickets are on sale now at grandtour.winespectator.com. Thanks for mentioning that, Rob. Hopefully those haven't sold out. The Napa Cabernet lineup alone is worth the price of admission. You're going to be able to taste the wines from the likes of Camus, Diamond Creek, Etude, Stag's Leap, just to name a few. Speaking of big-time Cabernet-based reds, let's jump right into the Bordeaux chapter of this episode. As usual, you tasted hundreds of wines from the current vintage, in this case 2020. But there's a conspicuous absence this year. Care to explain? Nothing gets by you, Rob. It's true, but let's back it up a little bit for some perspective first. Now, as you and our regular listeners recall, all of Wine Spectator's official tastings are conducted blind in our New York and Napa tasting rooms. When I sit down to review a flight of wines, I don't know who made them or what they cost. That's the bedrock of our tasting methodology and the core of our commitment to consumers. We aren't playing favorites here. Blind tasting, we think, is the only ethical approach to assessing a wine's quality. Yes, yes, highest standards of journalism and all that. Now spill the tea. Okay, well, this year, a few chateaus chose not to submit their wines to our blind tasting review process. Namely, the five first gross of the Medoc. That's Chateaus Mouton and Lafitte Rothschild, along with Latour, Margot, and Hobriol. They did invite me to come taste the wines at their chateaus, and that's something I do pretty regularly, whether it's in Napa or France or Portugal or whatever region that I might be happening to, to tour. Mm-hmm. But my official wine reviews are never based on those in-person tastings. Wine Spectator's strict blind tasting protocol applies to all of our reviews, and we don't make exceptions, even for the most famous wines in the world. Hey, rules are rules. To paraphrase a popular slogan of the times, sounds to me like somebody found out. <laughs> well, we hope they change their minds for the benefit of the consumers, if nothing else. If you'd like to read James's full reaction to the first gross decision not to participate in our blind tastings, don't miss his column in the March issue or at winespectator.com. All right, let's turn our attention to the chateaus that did submit their wines for review. Starting with Chateau Pichon Longueville Comtesse de la Lande, a.k.a. Pichon la Lande or Pichon Comtesse for short. We have General Director Nicolas Glumino joining us today. And we also have Wine Spectator's longtime Bordeaux-based contributing editor, Suzanne Mustasic. Suzanne has been writing for Wine Spectator for well over a decade, and she's the author of Thirsty Dragon, a provocative and in-depth look at Bordeaux's relationship with China. Welcome to Straight Talk, Suzanne. Hi, James. Hi, Rob. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to get into some juicy Bordeaux topics a little later, but let's give folks a quick rundown on the 2020 vintage. Now, I found uh, some superb wines in 2020, but it's not an across-the-board, buy-at-will type of vintage. It doesn't have the consistency of 2009 or 2010, the latter there being the benchmark for Bordeaux right now. Nor is it quite as electric as 2015 was on the right bank or 2016 on the left bank. Absolutely. What you're tasting is a reflection of the growing season. A mild winter, wet spring, and early flowering, all pointing to an early vintage. 
Then comes a hot, dry summer, 54 days of drought. So water stress was obviously going to be an issue for certain terroirs. When it came time to the harvest, anyone who's picking during the first part of September had warm, dry conditions, so perfect. But by late September and early October, it was cooler and wetter. Yeah, a little bit of a wonky growing season, so not every vineyard performed well. But most of the ones that did are in the upper Medoc. Specifically, San Estef, Poyek, and San Julian, I think, are ground zero for quality in this vintage, along with some choice parts of Pomerol and Saint-Emilion over on the right bank. One of my top-scoring 2020s comes from pichon Lalande in Poyac. Now, this property has had its ups and downs and zigs and zags over the years, both in terms of style and quality. But since director Nicolas Glumineau came over from Chateau Montrose in 2013, He's charted a very specific course for the estate, and I think his track record now, after a decade at Lalande, is very, very impressive. It certainly is. I recently visited him at Pichon Lalande, and he spoke about his first days on the job and the unforgettable tasting that shaped his approach. When I reached Pichon Comtesse in 2012, like all of us, I had this image of a winery located in Poyac, but famous for having much more Merlot in the blend of the vintages made in, famous vintages made in the past. And after a day, I don't know, after three or four days, once I, I reached this, uh, this estate, I asked the cellar master to open a vertical tasting for me. And uh, I was expecting him to open 10, 12 different vintages, and actually, he opened for me a vertical tasting starting with the 1970 to 2010, every single vintage. And so that was a very long day, a tough day, but a very good day at the end. Me alone with uh, 41 different bottles and uh, uh, in my room. So uh, I took time, something like five hours long, to taste each of them. And then I asked the technical team to, to join me just to share. And that was a good moment. And to me, this tasting was fundamental because uh, my favorite Pichon Comtesse or much more Poyac style than I could expect. It's not Margot or Pomerol style with all the, the, the respect I have for, for those wines, but we are in Poyac finally. Those vintages that I really enjoyed, they were much more caps of. They were a minimum of 75% Cabernet Sauvignon in the blend. So I could figure out that we really had a difference between the communication and the reputation and the truth. That's all we've got time for in this special preview edition of Straight Talk, Episode 6. In the full episode, we also talk to the highly quotable Dan Petrosky, owner of Napa's Masakan Winery, and Rob and Dr. Vinny walk us through the ABCs of Bordeaux. You'll find all that and more exclusively and for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. I hope you'll find us there soon. But until then, I'm James Molesworth reminding you to always share when you drink the good stuff. <laughs>